going on, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Whatever News! I am your host, Tim Roosevelt, and I think we're going to be talking about some anime and manga-related news in this episode. Do y'all mind if I switch the intro? Yeah, probably mind, don't y'all? Yeah, like, oh, I'm nostalgic, I need that. The only news source that provides anything and everything anime and manga-related, and we don't bore you, we get into it, let's do it! But I'm still your host. Tim Roosevelt, and indeed, I actually have an album out right now, The Rise of Tim Roosevelt, out on all streaming platforms. You can stream it, you can uh, get 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 a get a whiff of it. Yeah, Rise of Tim Roosevelt. <laughs> My album out right now. Let's get into the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, people, and first story on the docket of the episode. I honestly can tell you that from all the years I've been doing this thing, from all the years I've been reporting on anime and manga, especially all the years that I've been reporting on new anime and manga based off of, or shall I say new anime based off of manga, what I'm about to break down to you guys of what just went down, because Shonen Jump at this particular point might have its biggest anime flop of all time, and this also more than likely explains what's happening and why this series was recently ended, recently finished its run, because yeah, Shonen Jump is probably not happy about this one. In case you don't know, the series... Martial Magic and Muscles, outside of the kind of long runners at this point, which is crazy to say, like My Hero Academia is a long runner, Black Clover is a long runner, heck, Jujutsu Kaisen is considered a long runner, even though it started in what, like 2018 or something like that. But aside from those quote unquote long runners, the other biggest series that's been in Shonen Jump for a little bit now, it started I think like in 2020 or whatnot, was Martial Magic and Muscles. It was so successful that it had 5 million copies in circulation above the the rest of the competition with coming after that being i think like the new biggest series outside of the quote-unquote long runners is sakamoto days with about three million copies in circulation but martial magic and muscles was pretty much the biggest shonen battle series outside of again one more time the long runners of the magazine however recently it came to an end the manga wrapped itself up even though it had an anime adaptation it was in its final arc for quite some time to be honest with you the author announced i think like maybe about a year ago year and a half ago that yeah we're in the wrap-up phase we're in the finale and whatnot but it kind of came to an end and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, the anime ain't really hit. Now, I can't say for certain regarding the ratings of what the anime did while it was on TV. I could tell you as a fan of the martial Magic and Muscles manga, I wasn't really impressed with the anime. I'll be honest with you. Like, it looked okay-ish, but it felt very soulless. It felt like there was absolutely no passion behind, at the very least, the first handful of episodes that I watched. I can't speak about anything after that, but I know from the about first three to five episodes that I've seen, I was like, Okay, it kind of looks okay-ish. It's not, you know, the greatest thing in the world or whatnot, but it wasn't anything, you know, it, it wasn't the cat's meow, per se, that I had um, hoped for, considering the fact that the Muscle Magic and Muscles manga is awesome. I love the Muscle manga. I was, I think I read like 70-ish chapters. I finished like the last big arc at that particular point that they had. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed Muscle. However, the anime recently in Japan hit DVD and Blu-ray. It hit DVD and Blu-ray for the sales, and I'm not even going to lie to you, um, looking at these sales numbers, you would definitely say that this could potentially be one of Shonen Jump's biggest flops of all time. And what I mean by flops is basically sales are devastatingly low. 
to put you into perspective, right, on the highest of highest scales, when Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba came out on Blu-ray, it did, I want to say in its first week, close to like 100,000. It did an astronomical amount of numbers. It was just outrageous, unheard of, like, wow, just like everything else that Demon Slayer did. But that's on a high scale, right? You're not expecting every anime to come out of Shonen Jump to be like, you know, selling 100,000 first week or even 75,000, even 50,000. Those are really outstanding numbers. You have Jujutsu Kaisen that did, I, I want to say it was like 40,000 first week or something. It did, again, really great numbers. Those are incredible high end of the spectrum numbers. You would ideally want want your anime to do somewhere especially for shonen jump that all they really want is especially when it comes to shonen battle series you know fighting and whatnot you they want big big numbers they want their things to sell again astronomically or somewhere close to and for Marshall, considering the fact that, again, it didn't have the biggest push in the world, uh, despite the anime coming out and whatnot, I would have said maybe like 10 to 20,000 sales would have been okay. Guess, before I, I read out the numbers of this, guess how many sales the DVD of Marshall Magic and Muscles did in its first week. Just, just take a guess. If you want to write it down or you, you want to comment it before I reveal the numbers, feel free to do so. Because, again, I am just shocked to tell you guys that this is probably Shonen Jump's biggest flop. In terms of the first week sales for Marshall Magic and Muscles DVD was 194 copies for Volume 1 DVD 1. Now you're probably thinking, oh, 194? What, 194,000? This is the biggest thing in the world. Or 19.4K? Like, wow, that's great. Wow. Or, I don't know, 1,900 copies, right? Like, yeah, no. 194 copies. 100. 94 that is abysmal again i'm talking about we in order for it to be considered a massive runaway hit or even a big hit it got to be somewhere in the 30s 40s 50s etc etc this didn't even sell a thousand copies and i'll give you even another perspective the fact that chainsaw man's anime the, the chainsaw man anime which you know the manga had a ginormous fandom before the anime even came about the chainsaw man anime had sold like about a thousand copies first week and that was a massive flop, right? For Chainsaw Man with all of this hype around it and whatnot. It's still to this day, I'm kind of scratching my head like, what went wrong? You know what I'm saying? But that's still <laughs> nearly, what, five to ten times the amount of sales than what this Marshall release did? 194 copies. Now, granted, I don't have access to the Blu-ray numbers. Although, either A, there is no Blu-ray because sometimes they just release it straight to DVD. Because, yes, DVD does still sell very well. Or B, the Blu-ray sales are abysmal. So much so that it doesn't even matter to put them out. Or it could be see that they're, they're just not available to me at the moment. And they're, they're out there or whatnot. But for a Marshall Magic and Muscles anime. You know, this is a brand new series on the market. It had 5 million copies in circulation. For it to only do 194 copies uh, in its first week. This is arguably one of Shonen Jump's worst displays of attempting to make a... You know, a home run. You know, they, they, they went for the gusto, so to speak. They went for it to make this thing a big hit. And for it to only do 194,000, or 194,000, <laughs> I bet they would love that. For it to only have done 194 copies, I'm shocked that they're still going forward with the second season. Although I'm expecting that the second season, the aesthetics is probably going to either remain the same or go downhill a lot more. Because there's no way that it could sustain itself as an anime property with doing numbers like that. And I'm imagining that they're probably, because I think this is A1 Pictures if I'm not mistaken, they're probably looking for the quickest way out of this one because there's no money behind it and at the end of the day for these things to continue on and for these things to you know be 
viable, they need to be profitable. So 194 copies, Marshall, Magic and Muscles is unfortunately, uh, from what I've seen, one of Shonen Jump's worst flops and worst disappointment sales-wise in the history of anything I've seen DVD and Blu-ray related. Again, if Chainsaw Man was disappointing with a thousand sales, Marshall, Magic and Muscles, it, it's a shame because again, the manga's really dope, the anime... It just it felt like whoever was in charge, maybe the director or whatnot, just wasn't the biggest fan of it and didn't put his all behind it. But yeah, Shonen Jump. I I, I get why you ended it. It was kind of like, hey yo, Hajime Komodo, you might want to just wrap this bad boy up. We don't think people are that interested as we initially thought they were during the pandemic. Because now that I think about it, it was doing big numbers during the pandemic when everything was massively inflated. Like, I remember there was one week where Marshall did like almost 100,000 first week. So, for it to go from that to the DVD selling 194, yikes. Moving forward, in light of just talking some numbers, apparently Chainsaw Man's manga by Tatsuki Fujimoto has currently 26 million copies in circulation for volumes 1 through 15. That's including digital sales. And I'll be honest with you, 26 million copies, it, it still scratches my head. And I guess everything doesn't always translate, right? Everything doesn't always translate in terms of fandom. Like, let's just say an artist has 20 million Instagram followers. That doesn't necessarily mean that their album is going to sell 20 million copies. Heck, there's people that have, you know, 20, 30, 40 million Instagram followers that can barely sell 2,000 copies of their album. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't necessarily mean that everything translates just because there's 20 26 million volumes out in circulation of you know manga fans for Chainsaw Man that doesn't necessarily mean that there's 26 million anime fans for Chainsaw Man which again like if you just watched the previous segment of you know Marshall's DVD sales and whatnot you will see that yeah it, we're at a strange time where back in the day for the most part if you had a successful manga you can guarantee that the anime success is going to match it damn near so for Chainsaw Man to have done 26 million I mean regardless of what massive feat and Tatsuki Fujimoto has even said thanks to those sales of the manga he was able to do a lot of different things financially like you know create one shots and go for like a year without being serialized because he was you know financially straight but yeah 26 million copies I think the more important thing is big shout outs to Tatsuki Fujimoto getting them sales in but also just something to note for people that yeah sales on one side of things or fandom on one side of things doesn't completely always translate to other sides of things moving forward the Ichinose family deadly sins by Tizen 5 has reached 300,000 copies in circulation with three volumes essentially it is averaging 100,000 copies a volume uh that's massive again I read some of the Ichinose family deadly sins I think I read like what 15 chapters maybe somewhere in the ballpark 15 to 20 and I loved what I read it was very different for a Shonen Jump series it was one of the few of the newbies that have come out over the last year or so that I was like this is great and it actually stuck around uh but yeah big ups to the Ichinose family Deadly Sins for doing 300,000 copies in three volumes moving forward apparently Netflix's One Piece cast has addressed the live action anime curse y'all already know that live action anime adaptations usually be bombing they be stinkers they be smelling like you know what I'm saying feet but 
Let's see what they have to say. One Piece might be prepping to focus on one of the biggest moments of the war for Wano in his anime, but the live-action series is aiming to just get started August 31st. The promo materials released so far focusing on this new take on the Grand Line has piqued anime fans' attention, as many are hesitant in the face of the live-action anime curse. Now, in a new interview, the cast that make up the live-action straw has addressed the curse and how they are hoping to avoid it with their project arriving next month chatting with games radar inaki godoy the young actor that is bringing monkey d luffy to life addressed the question of the live action anime curse head on well the show is made by people who love one piece we love the manga we love the anime we think they're great and the only thing we want to do is honor that and get more people into it we don't want to do anything else but honor the work of mr oda and get more people to enjoy it too because it's such a powerful story and the whole world should know about it Godoy then explained that with his new take on the Straw Hat Pirate's Tale, the creative minds involved are hoping to bring in a much larger audience to the franchise via the live action series. I mean, so many people know about One Piece already, but I want your grandpa to know what One Piece is. I want your grandma. I want everybody to know what One Piece is. And for the people who are already fans to be able to relive those iconic moments. And, and you know, there's something really special about seeing your favorite characters as real people too. There's a special kind of magic to it. There have been quite a few live action anime adaptations in the past with offerings like Bleach, Roroni Kenshin, and FMA seemingly able to dodge the curse which I would definitely agree with Bleach and Roroni Kenshin I don't know if FMA dodged the curse I've heard bad things I never watched that one but I did watch Bleach and I think one or two of the Roroni Kenshins and they were great uh, while others such as Dragon Ball Evolution and Knights of the Zodiac were unable to do so according to many fans Dragon Ball Evolution everybody knows unanimously was the biggest disappointment in live action anime history and I watched Knights of the Zodiac and that movie was a pretty pretty bad pretty pretty bad Shout out to Larry David. While Netflix didn't find success with its live action take on Cowboy Bebop, the streaming service is still hoping they could turn the ship with One Piece, Avatar The Last Airbender, and Yu Yu Hakusho to name a few. That Yu Yu Hakusho one I'm going to be looking at very closely. But yeah, it seems as though at the very least this One Piece live action, the actors are addressing all of the big elephants in the room, including the fact that yeah, most animated live action bombs, so let's see if they can break the curse. Moving forward, Kaiju number 8 anime has started showing teasers and follow-up reports in advance of its upcoming announcement August 5th, 2023. And yeah, the series is scheduled to premiere in 2024, which could very well be January 2024. So it would make sense if the anime is going to be released in the winter season this upcoming year then probably you would want to have some trailers some real trailers not just those small teasers that they've had come out sooner than later and also yeah this is going to be a make or break situation because if the trailers look phenomenal and the art and animation is fantastic and all that stuff then kaiju number eight is going to really be the hit that it's supposed to be because ideally kaiju number eight should be an explosion considering the sales for the manga have been astronomical selling hundreds of thousands of copies each and every volume yeah this should be a big one so they really need to hope that they get it right and make a quality anime adaptation because this could be the next attack on titan or it could be the next terror for mars <laughs> we shall see Moving forward, Mitsutoshi Shimabukuro, the mangaka of Toriko, will be publishing a new 54-page one-shot titled Yabai on August 14th at Shonen Jump Plus's app. Very interesting that he's taking an attempt at going to Shonen Jump Plus, considering I think he's already tried, what, two or three different times to get back and jump? I know he had that one Build Kings, I think it was called, that manga Build Kings that he was trying to... Uh, get off the ground that didn't particularly work and now Toriko's mangaka has got a new one Yabai incoming so 
Very, very interesting stuff to say the least. And we'll see if he gets in. Because one of the things is that the Toriko author, a lot of people say that his work, Toriko itself, was very good. And uh, it was a shame that it just didn't do what it needed to do. Because Toriko had every opportunity in the world to be one of the biggest things. Like they had crossovers, multiple crossovers with One Piece. They had a crossover manga and anime with Dragon Ball and One Piece. And for whatever reason, it didn't take off. So kind of makes me wonder, well, why did it get all those opportunities? Did the publication just believe in it that much? What's going on here? Um, so I'm interested to see what, what happens with this work that he got coming. This one shot to uh, Shonen Jump Plus. Maybe he'll get serialized there. Maybe a lot of authors moving forward. Previous, you know, Goliaths of the industry might take their chances in getting into Jump Plus. And quickly, while we're talking about Toriko, uh, Toriko by Mitsutoshi Shimabukuro has reached 30 million copies in circulation with 43 volumes. So that's... It's a lot of sales, regardless of the volume number. 30 million copies is a pretty big success. That's more than, shit, that's more than Black Clover. So, <laughs> kudos to Toriko. I mean, granted, Black Clover didn't have the level of push that Toriko had. But, yeah, Toriko, a uh, pretty big success in its own right, nonetheless. Also, I love how they use these. Toriko by, you know, Mitsutoshi Shimabukuro has reached 30 million copies as a way to promote that he has a new work. I, I, I've caught that little promo tactic. Anytime you ever see that they release like, hey, this series has X amount of copies in circulation. It's a, either a promotional tactic or something to do with that author is about to be announced within the next issue or two of the magazine. So it's kind of like, hey, you love Toriko, right? Well, look at this big fact right now. Did you know this? By the way, the author is doing so-and-so good promo i like it very subtle but it works moving forward massive massive news that i'm sure a lot of you guys are either dreading or excited about because according to the latest issue of weekly shonen jump it says here my hero academia movie 4 has been announced in weekly shonen jump issues number 36 37 my hero academia movie 4 will have an original story Supervised by Kohei Horikoshi, based on the character's original plans and following the same timeline as the TV anime series. The film will be set in a collapsed society. So hold on, let, let's break this down real quick. Okay, for starters, they're having a movie, so automatically season 7's production, I'm very scared of what it's going to look like because we saw what happened with season 4. We saw what happened with season 5. We saw an increase with season 6 in certain areas, so it was like, hey, no movie, look what happens. Season 7, the contents aside from the Star and Stripe stuff, which they better make sure they nail that because that's the last incredible 10 out of 10 thing that My Hero has done. I have no faith for this upcoming season. But My Hero Academia will have an original story. So it's going to be a new story. It won't be an adaptation or anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be filler. And it's going to be not written, but supervised by Kohei Horikoshi. So that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be canonical to a certain degree, um, but it probably will fit within the timeline I'm imagining. It's based on the character's original plans. So that kind of makes me question, what the hell do they mean by that? Their original plans. Because the following line is that... It'll take place in the same timeline as the TV anime series, and it's set in a collapsed society. So it's going to take place canonically, I guess you would say, with where society is destroyed and, you know, things of that nature. But the character's original plans makes me question, like, 
Well, what were their original plans? Are they referring to the fact that before society went to hell, where My Hero's anime is at right now, that they had plans to do other things and they're going to do it in the meantime between events, between what happened with Lady Nagant and, um, you know, the following events, maybe they could squeeze in, because I think there was like a few months of a time skip between then, they could squeeze in a movie in there. Um, the original plans thing has me stumped. You guys let me know what you think. But in general, I'll be honest with you. While it's fun news, like, hey, My Hero film. It's always a good time to go to the movies to watch a, a My Hero movie, right? Like, movie two of My Hero still to this day. I love that movie. Absolutely love it. I, I thought it was great. Uh, movie three, eh, I wasn't a big roadie fan. Movie one was cool. I saw movie one. I think I rented it or something. But yeah, movie movie one was okay. Movie two was great. Movie three was okay-ish for me. But it's a cool experience nonetheless, so I guess I'm excited about that. And also, it kind of makes me wonder, are they still running forth with that whole 10 movies, 10 years plan? Like, considering the fact that last year they didn't have a movie, but they had two OVAs that coincidentally aired in theaters in Japan in between movies 3 and 4. So it might be that, yeah, they're still going on ahead, and maybe those two OVAs will count as a movie. So technically, contractually, there are five movies in. We will see what happens, but yeah, My Hero Academia Movie 4. I'm I'm conflicted. I'll be honest with you. I'm not gung-ho about it. I'm not mad about it per se. I, I guess I'm disappointed because it looks like Season 7 is going to be a big mess. And Season 7, if anything, needed more aesthetically, you know, production-wise attention because the materials from the manga, again, following the events of Star and Stripes, is not, not the most hype per se, not the most like, oh my god. So I, I'm curious how they're going to handle this whole situation, to be honest with you. And, and in general, I'm not expecting much from season 7 uh, All I'm saying is that Please don't mess up Star and Stripes That should have movie quality art and animation That's how incredible that stuff is But I guess we gotta wait and see Either way, My Hero getting a fourth movie This will definitely be a massive topic of conversation To say the least for anime and manga fans Especially My Hero fans I guess, let me know What do you guys think? Those watching right now How do you feel? Are you yay or nay about this My Hero Academia movie 4? Do you think it's going to be a good thing? Just like, hey, another movie, yeah. Like, that that's where I'm conflicted. Because, like, at the same time, I do have fun going to the movies to watch My Hero. I do have fun in general with My Hero anime-related stuff. But it's going to be at the cost of Season 7. But then at the same time, considering the fact that I'm not all that gung-ho about what's going to happen in Season 7. Again, minus Star and Stripes. I got to keep on stressing that because I love the Star and Stripes aspect of the story. Maybe the movie thing is like, whatevs. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm not really going to be going crazy over most of the stuff in Season 7 anyway. So let there be light with the movie. You know what I'm saying? But again, let me know what you think. Moving forward, One Piece Magazine Volume 17 will be receiving a special card game appendix according to Weekly Shonen Jump issue 3637. And I just report on that to say that, yeah, the One Piece card game looks so good. I'm gonna lie. I bought a few boxes. I got a few sealed boxes of the first box because those cards, some of them, not all of them, sometimes it'd be like, whoa, you just took a screenshot from the anime. But some of them, it's hype. And I can't wait for the English version of Gear 5th. As a matter of fact, I should probably get on pre-ordering them if they're up for pre-order. Because I need that Gear 5th card yesteryear. Yeah, yeah, dang. But yeah, cool little stuff there. Apparently, Blue Box has reached 2 million copies in circulation with 11 volumes. Not the biggest showing in the world. But it is, I think, what, a sports slash romance series. And there is a little bit of a buzz for it. So I think this is one of those cases of... Just wait and see what the anime does for it. Because 2.5 is pretty decent considering, you know, what it is in a, you know, a battle series magazine or whatnot. So I guess it's a matter of 
will it work when the anime comes? But still, I think that's a good showing for the most part, 2.5 million. And we haven't had any type of romance-related series since Nisekoi in Shonen Jump, so we'll see. Blue Box. I, I think that's a good showing, in my opinion. Not the greatest in the world, but still okay. Moving forward, Dr. Stone New World TV Anime Second Core will be receiving a special pre-screening event. So they're going to be doing like a big event for the second half. Although Dr. Stone honestly feels like at the very least online. And I may be totally off. Maybe in the real it's different. But online, Dr. Stone has been pretty much forgotten it feels like. I didn't see a soul talking about the latest season of Dr. Stone that just aired. So maybe they're doing stuff like this to kind of get a little bit marketing going. Like yo, there's a pre-screening event. Like come on, come check it out or whatnot. But I think they missed the mark with this one. I think Shonen Jump, to be honest, and we're seeing this with a few different series now, they took a big misstep with believing that what happened with Demon Slayer of ending the manga first and allowing the anime to go ahead on its own, you know, while it worked for Demon Slayer, that's not going to work for every title. And it damn sure hasn't been working for Dr. Stone because the last season... It was crickets for the most part regarding people talking about it. Again, it could be a in the real world, people loved it and they were watching it in abundance. But online, nobody was talking about it. But yeah, this pre-screening event thingy majig might be like, come on guys, get hype. Dr. Stone, we spent millions of dollars on it. Yeah. Moving forward, according to leaks, Undead Unlocked TV anime will be revealing new information in the upcoming weekly Shonen Jump issue number thirty. And the series will be receiving a special colored page in the same issue. Or not a special, just a, a colored page. And I'm excited for this Undead Unluck anime. I hope that it does a lot more for the franchise, for the series, and for sales than what the Marshall anime did. And to be honest with you, based off the trailer, it looks like aesthetically, David Productions didn't come to mess around. It looks like at the release adaptation-wise, it's going to be a grandiose adaptation. So maybe despite the fact, which I would love it being a case of the tortoise and the hare, despite the fact that Marshall ended up going super fast and selling 5 million but then the anime bombed and everything is like kind of going to hell for Marshall maybe Undead Unluck will be the opposite where it didn't sell like crazy right away but ultimately the anime could come and save the day I think it deserves it because I've heard nothing but praise for Undead Unluck the 20 something chapters I read of it was really dope and uh, the anime looks like it's going to be fantastic and I'm excited to see what this new news is going to be because come October we gonna be watching some Undead Unluck Moving forward, The Promised Neverland by Kaiyu Shidai and Demizu Posca has reached 42 million copies in circulation worldwide with 20 volumes. And the series is celebrating its 7th anniversary with a special illustration by Demizu Posca. And 42 million copies in 20 volumes, that is fantastic. Honestly, the series, 42 million copies for 20 volumes is absolutely fantastic. And the series was great for the most part i know at the end it kind of started to dwindle and the anime season two we 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 don't talk about that one but salute to uh promise neverland going into its seventh anniversary as well i looking forward to seeing what that special illustration looked like because it's been a while since the series ended moving forward we got what fans <laughs> a lot of fans have been calling one of the most disappointing homages to dragon ball here because dragon ball volume 34 by yasuhisa hara from kingdom uh, it's basically like an homage piece has been released and this is part of the Dragon Ball Super Gallery project to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the series. Every month different manga club will redesign one of the 42 covers of the series until November 2024 and high key it just is like what what is this dog that's the dude from Kingdom on a horse and it's supposed to represent Goku on a bike like no dog like you didn't even try you just said yo slap that horse shit and, and call it a day like I get it. 
Kingdom is also considered legendary, especially what it's done without really a push from an anime. I know there's an anime. Nobody really cares about the anime. Let's be honest here. So I get that, but damn, dog, show show a little respect. You know what I'm saying? Show show a little bit of love. I, I, I don't know. I don't really care for it either, if I'm being honest. Moving forward, Bobo Bo TV Anime will be holding a Best 16 Episodes poll to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the series. All selected episodes will be made available for free in Jump's YouTube channel and Toy Animation's Museum channel. Channel. And I love what Toei has been doing lately. I don't know if this is going to apply to their English release of, you know, uh, anime or whatnot. But, like I reported, I think it was last week, Slam Dunk has, like, all of the ep- Not all of the episodes. They're slowly releasing all of the episodes of Slam Dunk for free on Toei Animation's YouTube channel over here in the West. I think that that would be dope if they did that with Bobo Bo. Again, I'm not sure at what places you could stream Bobo Bo at this particular point. But put it for free on, on the YouTubes. You know, why not? That'd be freaking awesome. But... Yeah, um, they're going to be putting out a Best 16's episode poll to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the series. I feel like that's such a cheap thing to do for 20th anniversary. Like, hey, here's six, like, why not a, a OVA special or something? You know what I'm saying? Bobo Bo had its time, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. Moving forward, Straw Hats are on a cruise in live-action One Piece poster. Last month saw a big reveal for the live-action One Piece series with the debut of the first full trailer, and now that we're even closer to launch, it's time for another quick look at our main crew. The Straw Hats are setting off on their grand adventure in a new poster for the adaptation, which touches down on Netflix around the world on August 31st. And the poster looks kind of cool. Definitely a, a bit on the Photoshop to make them look a little bit more like in character. But yeah, I guess until we actually see this thing at this point, all we can do is just make prejudgments on based off of, you know, trailers and images. It's really one of those things of waiting around now. We got to wait a few more weeks to see what this thing is. And this is going to be, in my opinion, a pivotal, extremely pivotal factor for anime moving forward because if the live action bag becomes an avenue that they can go down you will see a lot of different things transpire in terms of adaptations to live action like if this one piece live action adaptation is well received and a very successful thing not only of course they're going to continue it but now it'll open up an idea of well maybe live actions can be viable if we get it right if we do it right if we market it right maybe it could actually be a thing where a lot of series will go that way. Maybe we'll get a lot of, you know, even jump titles possibly that will skip the anime phase altogether and go straight to live action if this One Piece live action is successful. If it bombs, if people hate it upon arrival, if it's DOA or whatnot, then it'll once again be back to the drawing board. And this time, I'll be honest with you, I think that if the One Piece live action isn't as successful as Shonen Jump is hoping for, considering the amount of resources, the amount of, like, yo, dog, they have Netflix in the palm of their hands. They got Eiichiro Oda at the helm of the thing reporting on it every step of the way if this thing bombs i don't expect live actions for a long time in terms of like having the same type of muscle push and belief that this thing has because there's a lot of hope for this thing to be successful but we're gonna have to wait and see i guess moving forward one piece on ice episode of alabasta takes his cast for a spin and a new trailer with two weeks to go until the Straw Hat crew step on the ice skating ring, One Piece on Ice episode of Alabasta takes us behind the scenes and among the multi-talented cast in a brand new 
trailer, which I'm still shocked. Like, yo, dog, One Piece has gotten so popular, so huge that it's One Piece on Ice. It brings me back to the days when I first heard about ice skating shows like Reptar on Ice. Shout out to all the Rugrat fans. Like, whoever's a Rugrat fan, you gotta remember Reptar on Ice. Reptar, Reptar, where is he? Oh, Reptar. Like, that's where my mind goes when I think about One Piece on Ice. Like, I just imagine Reptar jumping in with Zoro or some shit, doing a split. Like, yo, it's Reptar. He put it on. Oh. <laughs> Shoutouts to Reptar, I guess, or no? No, no, no shoutouts for Reptar. One Piece on Ice episode of Alabasta has its leading man and three-time Olympic medalist Shoma Uno, who will bring the series' first ice skating show to life at the Kosei Shin Yokohama Skater Center from August 11th through the 13th and Aichi Dolphins Arena from September 2nd to the 3rd. So if you're out there in Japan and you want to see you some One Piece on Ice, there's the information. Personally, I don't... Well, I don't want to say I wouldn't, I'd be curious to watch it probably once, like live, I don't think I'd ever watch like pre-recorded video of it, like no, 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 but I'd be interested to see it once, like let me see what it looks like once, and experience it once, and then I'll call it a day, although it just sounds like super silly, like, and I do, and I do, as he's just spinning around or something, like, I, I, I don't, YOLO. Moving forward, new Bakugan anime launches on Netflix on September 1st and on Disney XD on September 23rd. For all you Bakugan fans out there, which Bakugan had a little run. Don't sleep on Bakugan. I remember when anime was kind of dormant many moons ago. Bakugan was one of the few animes that you would still see merch and stuff in stores. So shout out to Bakugan. Canadian toy and media company Spin Master Corp announced on Monday that it will launch its new Bakugan anime September 1st. The anime will premiere in the United States, Canada, Australia, the Nordics and the Middle East on Netflix on September 1st. Disney XD will air the series in the United States from September 23rd. And visually, it looks like there's going to be CGI heavily involved in it. And I think there was back in the day as well. I'm not sure. But additionally, the first two episodes will first debut within the Roblox platform. Oh my god. So the first two episodes as you're watching this are already out for you to watch. On Roblox. <laughs> and will be available until August 13th. The first two episodes will be available in English and Japanese. And they describe the new series as... In this exciting new season of Bakugan, the Vestroian galaxy is made up of six planets. Each home to a different species of Bakugan. Avion, dragon, insect, beast, aquatic, and dinosaur. Constantly at war with one another. The use of experimental weaponry causes the Bakugan to be inadvertently transported to Earth. Baku balls rain down from the sky like meteors and crash into cities, forests, and oceans. And when the balls unroll, humans meet the 10 feet tall Bakugan for the very first time. Thankfully, humanity welcomes these displaced creatures, embraces their culture, and particularly falls in love with their long-standing tradition of brawling. That is until teenagers start pairing with Bakugan and miraculously give them the ability to grow to giant kaiju size. The world was filled with fear and it was during this time the catastrophe happened. Okay, interesting. Fascinating to say the least. And yeah, if you're a Bakugan fan, get excited because yeah, I, I, I'm not too familiar with Bakugan but I just always got to give a praise that when anime was not popping... Bakugan was around there making noise. Moving forward, very, very serious situation right here. And I got to stress that not only my editor, make sure you edit out all of these words, anything that is possibly sensitive, all of it. Just damn there, edit everything. Like right now, they shouldn't even be able to hear me talking. That's how hardcore you got to edit it. But this is a very serious situation, but I do think it uh, needs to be addressed. Because apparently, a One Piece slash Naruto Kabuki actor, Ichikawa Enosuke, 
has been indicted for allegedly assisting his parents' double blank, double uh, self-ending. I don't know how to properly say it, you know, on, on a censored format, but you will get the context from the article. Kabuki actor Ichikawa Enosuke, real name Takahiko Kinoshi, was indicted on Friday for allegedly assisting in his parents' double blank on May 17th to the 18th. Prosecutors believe it was part of a family blank pact so they were all supposed to unalive together i think unalive would be the proper term correct on may 17th enosuke allegedly gave his parents excessive sleeping drugs which led to their before collapsing himself enosuke's manager found their bodies at their home in tokyo around 10 15 a.m on may 18th although enosuke's parents had already passed and enosuke was found conscious but in a hazy condition and taken to the hospital according to investigative sources enosuke had also attempted to unalive on the day of the incident a weekly magazine had published a report about enosuke's allegedly involvement in bullying and sexual abuse some involving actors and theater staff according to the mainichi enosuke told an investigative source a weekly magazine report prompted us to hold a family meeting and we decided to say goodbye enosuke was arrested on on june 27th on suspicion of assisting in his mother's blank he was served another arrest warrant on july 18th on suspicion of assisting in his father's his father was also a kabuki actor under the name ichikawa danchiro enosuke had performed in kabuki plays for one piece and naruto he was also in the live action miniseries of thus spoke kishibe rohan he had announced that he would be involved in a production based on demon slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba in 2024 and yeah this is a very serious situation for starters it's a, a cultural difference because over there again bringing shame to your family is one of the biggest like yo you, you shame your family literally you know it, it drives people to these situations so the fact that he shamed his family that you know he was being accused of these you know kind of horrible crimes and whatnot it made the family feel like yo we can't live with this shame we must just end it all and it seems as though it's one of those tragic situations that they all three tried to do it um but enosuke survived from the situation probably because he was younger his immune system fought whatever it was that they did but it's just tragic honestly it's just horrible tragic you know his parents are gone his life is completely ruined what he loved doing these stage plays is gone and it's a stark reminder that you know um, a drastic decision can change and alter your life forever so always be careful and be cautious of uh how you maneuver in such situations and i mean again it's a little bit of a difference culturally like in the west more than likely people aren't going to go to extremes because of like embarrassment in that regard there are people that do it so i want to be very you know careful with how i uh word this thing because yes people can over shame do some drastic things but it's not the end of the world if you're embarrassed about something don't ever let embarrassment push you to these extremes uh, because there's some stuff that there's no turning back from. So yeah, God bless uh, and rest in peace to dude's parents. And it's just a really, really sad situation uh, to report on. But yeah, crazy. Moving forward, Netflix's One Piece Taz Skyler addresses Sanji's girl crazy behavior. Sanji's still a woman chaser? Skyler, who has been training his body and his culinary skills to get into the role of Sanji, then took the opportunity to talk about his character's love of women and how that translates in the new live-action series. And it was the same with the, the way that he interacts with women. There was a translation to be had. And I think at the root of it, the root of any reaction is why you're reacting like that. And I think for me, it came down to caring. As in the background that he has with, with women in terms of relationship he had with his mother, the relationship he had with his sister, the way that they interacted with him as opposed to the way that his brothers and his father used to interact with him. 
that to me speaks volumes about why he may have a certain relationship with women in general and how we may react to it. In that sense, I don't have to question at all why he cares much about women. And that's what I was hanging on to throughout it. The actor said to play Sanji then expanded on his thoughts. So as opposed to trying to really meter whether it comes off as creepy or whether I come off as flirty, I would just imbue it with, I really care about this person. And hopefully what came out was a good translation. I won't judge the result. I'll just tell you about the process. So pretty much he's giving you insight into what he was thinking about when he was doing a lot of these things. Because I have seen some women complain and say that Sanji comes across, especially post, uh, you know, time skip or whatnot. He definitely was a lot more woman crazy, obviously. His circumstances kind of lent to going down that route. But nevertheless, I have seen some people look at it like, whoa, Sanji... Went a little over the edge there, buddy. So I could see the argument of like, okay, yeah, there definitely needs to be a certain level of toting the line to make sure it doesn't come across as, yo, Sanji looking like a predator in the live action uh, One Piece. But we'll see what happens. Um, either way, it's dope that at the very least, even the actor was keeping it in mind and, and being cognizant and conscious of trying to find the balance per se of just showcasing like, no, it's because it's not that he's just this nasty creep that he's just like, woman, woman, oh my god, woman. But it's more so, yo, um, the same way he cared about his mom, the same way he cared about his sister, the same way he cares. He just really has a caring for women. So we'll see how that translates when it comes out, uh, when the live action drops. Moving forward, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure creator reveals the Clint Eastwood souvenir that he kept. Just because you're famous doesn't mean you're impervious to being starstruck. From A-list actors to chart-topping singers, no one is immune to the reality of being starstruck. This goes for manga creators as well because even the most popular artists can fall prey. The man behind JoJo's Bizarre Adventure discovered this when he met Clint Eastwood and Hirohiko Araki marked the big occasion by bringing home an odd souvenir. The whole story resurfaced recently as a translated interview with Araki hit social media this week. It was there the creator spoke about his introduction to Eastwood. It was there the artist gushed about the Hollywood icon and Araki he said he even took home a snack Eastwood munched on as a sort of souvenir. Of course, I was nervous, the creator shared. He was eating this huge cookie while we were talking, and then he left about half of it behind. I took it home as a souvenir. I ain't gonna lie, that is kind of weird. Like, yo, if you ever meet me in the real, dog, and I'm snagging outside and I put it down, please don't take it home, dog. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make a clone or something? Like, yo, there's some DNA spat on the cookie. Like, stop it. Leave my cookie alone. Put the cookie down. Clearly, Araki lived the dream when he got the chance to meet Eastwood as for how the two men came together. Well, it's an interesting story. It turns out Araki met Clint Eastwood at an event the year Jojo turned 25. The pair were photographed talking to one another as the night went on, so Araki got to experience what it was like to meet Hollywood royalty. And as for Eastwood, he met one of Japan's most famous artists of all time. After all, Araki's reputation knows few bounds. The creator has been working hard on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure for decades now, and the manga is far from done. Not long ago, the franchise went live with a new entry when part 9, the Jojo Lands, dropped. Araki is putting out new chapters of the Jojo Lands each month, and the series is a bona fide hit so far. And if it ever features a character who looks similar to Eastwood, we recommend you just go along with the homage, because there'll probably be a cookie somewhere involved. <laughs> and of course, if you're not caught up on Jojo's, yeah, like I think the anime finished part 6, so we're, we're getting there anime-wise and manga-wise, you can probably, well, I don't think legally you could read past part 6, but yeah... You know, Mugiwara! Kaiza Kuoni. Orewa Naru! Moving forward, more One Piece news. One Piece director teases Luffy's big Gear 5th 
episode. One Piece is finally gearing up to fully introduce Gear Fifth Luffy into the anime with the next episode of the series, and the director behind the anime is teasing Gear Fifth Luffy and the work that went into making the highly anticipated form come to life. With the final moments of the Wano Country arc drawing closer in the latest episode, Toy Animation officially announced dur during One Piece Day 2023 that the One Piece anime will be fully debuting the fan favorite Gear Fifth form for Luffy in the first week of August as the anime enters a new era. One Piece episode 1071 will officially be ushering in Luffy's Gear 5th form to the anime and fans have been wondering how this form would play out in the anime considering just how much it changes the series overall. Speaking about Gear 5th Luffy's anime debut in a special video message released during One Piece 2023 weekend, One Piece director Tatsuya Nagamine revealed that the team behind it all set out to do just how it is Eiichiro Oda's original manga before their ideas were brought into a whole new level. Naganime began hyping Gear 5th Luffy in the anime with, We tried to do it just like in the manga, but our dreams started to broaden. The animators were all very enthusiastic, but I'm really thankful about it. Continuing further, Nagamine was delighted in how many people from around the world actually worked on the episode. Anyway, many people gathered from around the world to work on Gear 5th. Four different languages were used in one mating. Everyone loves One Piece so much. As for how Gear 5th Luffy will sound, Nagamine hyped voice actor Mayumi Takanaka's performance too. There is this part about liberation and it's kind of like breaking free from the laws and physics of the world. So our goal is to push boundaries with groundbreaking voice acting. Even noting that Tanaka exceeded their expectations despite the director questioning the difficulty of such a transformation. I thought it would be difficult to do the laughing part so I tried to cut down on the laughter a little bit. But Mayumi Tanaka went above and beyond and gave us an amazing Gear 5th laugh and the final result exceeded our expectations and I need Gear 5th Luffy now! Seriously this is is going to be huge and i can't freaking wait i don't know if it's going to be because a lot of people have been comparing it to like you know dragon ball transformations it probably realistically won't surpass the level of popularity of like super saiyan or something like that but it will probably be the most popular gear of all of one pieces because between the amount of marketing promotion the you know unique look to it um, it's going to be fascinating to see nonetheless, and I can't wait for Gear 5 to hit the anime. Probably the night of you watching this bad boy, it will hit. If not, you've already seen it. You're a day late or a few days late to Forever News. What are you doing? 12 p.m. EST every Saturday. Moving forward. No, Jujutsu Kaisen isn't using AI to animate Season 2, because in case you haven't heard, there's been some rumblings that one of the latest episodes, somebody accused Studio Mappa of using AI to create it. It is a rite of passage at this point of anime when a show gets popular, its army of critics double and so do the fans who comment on all things animation. Now that Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 is live, there are plenty of fans detailing its Sakuga and one such essay has gone viral thanks to its AI claims. But to be clear, Jujutsu Kaisen isn't using any AI by any means to cut corners for Season 2. No, that is not the case. AI is being used to keep viewers from having seizures. Ghosting in anime isn't AI. It's a technique used to pass the Harding test, which is a test that determines the level of risk for epileptic seizures. Ghosting has been around since well before current generative AI technology. And basically that's because if you guys are wondering why MAPPA changed some things this very smart woman explains it perfectly to sum it up she spoke to an anime director and it boils down to budget ai and time also the ghost in the season is because of ai so there's debates back and forth on whether or not ai was utilized in certain scenes not throughout entire episodes but for context you can see the viral jujutsu kaisen video above a tiktok user which it's tiktok so be cautious just be cautious but not that to discredit because there's some really good info sometimes you find on tiktok and then sometimes you find a little might be a little malarkey i don't know 
It was there a fan suggested the anime is using AI tools in season two to cut corners with its frame rates and connectors. However, industry execs and animators were quick to debunk the video with help of the Harding test. Ghosting an anime is an AI, Samuel Dietz, the director of Castlevania, shared on social media. It's a technique used to pass the Harding test, which is a test that determines the level of risk for epileptic seizures. Ghosting has been around since well before current generative AI technology. For those unfamiliar with the Harding test, it is a standard met in film and TV to protect viewers with epilepsy. The test uses algorithms that analyze frame rates and dictate whether they contain problematic image sequencing. If a certain number of sequences are flagged, the media fails and is most often barred from broadcast. For anime and animation, these tests are very are taken very seriously given their wide demographic, so of course Jujutsu Kaisen is subject to the Harding test. In order to create seamless image sequencing, companies like MAPPA Studio use ghosting. This artwork is often made digitally using AI or not, and is filling the gaps between key scenes. By adding this buffer, animated images are sequenced smoothly and provide no resistance for the Harding test. So there you have it. The more you know, right? So yeah, in a nutshell, apparently this ghosting technique has been used well before AI has become a thing, but I don't put it past anything just in general. Like sure, there's a logical explanation for this, blah, 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 but I still don't 100% trust that there isn't some form of manipulation regarding like AI is a very powerful tool. I feel like a lot of mangaka have been using AI for quite some time, unbeknownst to us at the very least for backgrounds. Wouldn't be surprised if anime has been utilizing it for a while too. I mean, for all you know, all of these big things about Studio Mappa has a new building and a new studio could all be a farce to make people not notice that majority of it is being created by AI. You just never know. Not to accuse because I don't want to take away from these hardworking, you know, animators that be saving themselves away. But you never know. It could be some craziness that is involved that we just can't see right now because we're still very new to understanding AI and the capabilities. But AI has been around for quite some time in the industry as like a best kept secret type of situation. Moving forward, new Baki the Grappler manga begins this summer. Bakihama's second season arrived on Netflix, pitting the strongest teenager in the world against a prehistoric threat and the hilariously named Pickle. Started by manga Kakeisuke Itagaki in 1991, the manga series has continued for decades by following Baki in his quest to overtake his father, Yujiro, and thus become the new strongest human on Earth. Recently, Baki the Grappler's latest manga came to an end, but luckily the series has confirmed that a new storyline is set to learn later this summer. One of the biggest threats of Baki the Grappler is that the series is unapologetically bizarre, often presenting battles to Baki and his comrades that have never been seen in anime history. Of course, a prime example is the latest season of the anime adaptation where the brawlers are testing their skills against a caveman named Pickle, but there's been plenty of other wild moments in the series' history to date. In the previous anime adaptation season, Baki found himself fighting in an environment where Mike Tyson and Shea Guevara resided, with the season also seeing the son of Ogre training with a giant giant praying mantis. Needless to say, should the anime continue with the third season of Bakihama, there are plenty of wild moments left to adapt. Earlier this year, the latest Baki manga arc came to an end with the storyline focusing on the son of the ogre fighting against the man responsible for the creation of Sumo. With decades of story under its belt, the manga series could potentially give the anime adaptation quite a few seasons should it continue. At present, Keisuke Itagaki has shown no signs of bringing Baki's tale to a close. The new storyline will arrive in an upcoming issue of Weekly Shonen Champion on August 24th of next month, though details about the new arc are few and far between. While the latest season of Bakihama began focusing on the fight against Pickle, the second arc of this latest season will arrive next month and focus on a long-awaited rematch. Baki will attempt once again to defeat his father, Yujiro Hanma, and the father versus son arc through his, his victory is far from assured. Shoutouts to Baki since 91. That is crazy.
Moving forward, Death Note announces 20th anniversary exhibit. In Japan, a good number of anime franchises will often find themselves receiving real-life exhibits to highlight the series' art and impact on pop culture. Death Note remains a legendary anime franchise in the medium to this day, despite its original anime adaptation coming to a close a number of years ago. Focusing on a high school student named Light who discovers a book that allows him to kill anyone he writes down within his pages, the series has seen a number of spin-offs and sequel stories emerge following the original manga's conclusion. While there has yet to be a new anime adaptation announced for the popular franchise, a live-action TV series is in the works from the creator of Stranger Things for Netflix. It might be some time before we see the series arrive on the streaming service thanks to the Hollywood strikes, but it proves the popularity of Light's Twisted Tale. Death Note 20th Anniversary Exhibit will have original art from co-creator Takeshi Obata, that sounds fire, while also offering plenty of merchandise for fans of the series. The exhibit will first arrive at Tokyo Space Galleria from September 8th to October 9th, making a return at Osaka Space Gratuitous from November 10th to December 11th. Currently, there's been no word on the exhibit making its way to North America, but anime fans can dream. That would be fire. I'm not going to lie. A Death Note exhibit? Come on, man. Bring that over. A lot of people will go. I guess it will probably take something big to happen, like another movie or something for them to even consider. And it got to be a good movie at that, you know? Okay, people, let's slow it down with the weekly Shonen Jump author comment, starting off with... Sakamoto Days is Yuto Suzuki. It's crazy hot outside. Those of you in sports clubs, make sure to stay hydrated. Yeah, it's been kind of hot. The elusive samurai Yusei Matsui. I'm in character design hell with the new characters and new versions of characters. I'll do my best and I'll be happy if you can remember at least one of them. That's not good. That's definitely not good. Nui's Exorcist Kota Kawaii. Sorry that I messed up the timing, but congratulations on 55 years. Jeez. Uh, Blue Box Koji Miura. I saw The Boy and the Huron. I was so happy to get to see a Ghibli movie on the big screen again. I want to see that. I'm not going to lie. I'm interested. Uh, we got Akanebanashi's Yuki Suenaga. I referenced Master Togetsu Hakushu's Changing Time for this story. Please check it out if you're interested. Okay. Doki. Martial Master Asumi Kawada. I stay working in a cold room all the time and then get so surprised when I go out. It's hot. It's been pretty hot. Uh, Gege Akutami Jujutsu Kaisen. The reason why Larry thought Gojo is used to healing his brain is explained in the past arc. Kill Blue, Taratoshi Fujimaki, aka author of Kurokono Basket. I like apples lately. I eat them whole. I feel like a boxer or Ryuk. Shoutouts to Death Note. Uh, Mission Yozakura family's Hitsuji Gandaira. I loved the boy and the hero on so much that I couldn't stop smirking. The main character was so nice. Love him. Yo, Miyazaki might have a hit. Either that or these manga cards just like, you know, simping heavy for some Miyazaki. Undead Unluck, Yoshifumi Tezuka. I had my wisdom teeth removed. The pain medication didn't work at all. Why? Maybe you took too much? Me and Roboko Shuhei Miyazaki. The Chocolate Planet live tour show blew me away. I couldn't stop laughing. I want to go again. Witch Watch Kenta Shinohara. I saw The Boy and the Hero on day one. Yo, there's a lot of people talking about this. Seeing a movie with zero spoilers was a great experience. It do be. It do be. Icehead Gills Ikuo Hachiya. I suck at werewolf. Whether I'm a werewolf or a villager, I get voted to be hanged because I talk so much. Oh, God. A Cypher Academy, Nisio Isen. Cypher Academy Volume 3 with a bonus story about Kyoto goes on sale in Japan on August 4th. You promote that bad boy, boy. The Ichinose Family Deadly Sins by Tizen 5. Volume 3 will be available on August 4th in Japan. Extras are included, so please check it out. Always on the grind, on the grizzle for shizzle. Tenmaku Cinema Yuto Sukuda. 
My friend invited me out to see Moulin Rouge. I was super excited and got sucked into it. Thanks for inviting me. Let, let, let's just throw a little bit of a pause on there. Because homie went to Moulin Rouge and got sucked. <laughs> carry on, carry on. Do retry by Jun Kirarazaka. I saw Sanctuary. I like when they asked to practice hitting each other by yelling, Chandesu! Fabricam 100, Daisuke, and Oshima. I watched Gani Ball thinking it was complete, but it's not. Now I'm looking forward to Season 2. And yeah, people, those were the weekly Shonen Jump author comments. Hooray! And we close this episode off with the top 50 best-selling manga of the week. Courtesy of me. Shout out to Joe's underscore K. We got 50 through 41, starting off at the tippy bitty at the bottom. Blue Exorcist, volume 29 at number 50 with 13.3 this week and 20 days doing 131K. We got Kimetsu Gakuen, volume 4 at 49 and 20 days over 100K with 13.6. Pretty, pretty impressive. We got Record of Ragnarok, volume 19, limited edition, 4 days on sale, 13.6K. Imagining the regular edition did a lot more. Uh, we got Oshinoko Volume 3. Oshinoko starting up again. 14.8 uh, this week. Bringing us total to 623k. Okay. Yo, the cover for the Exiled Reincarnated Heavy Knight and Unrivaled In-Game Knowledge Volume 6. Oh my god. First of all, that's one hell of a mouthful. But that character looks kind of cool. I like the design on it. Or 15.3k. I'm sorry. In four days. Not too shabby. Then we got places 40 through 31. And we got, let's see, at 40. Ari Fureta. Volume 12 with 15.8k. And then just, I'm not even going to lie. Oshinoko up the yin yang from places 39 through literally outside of Tumanga on places 40 through 31. Which are Goddess Cafe Terrace and Ari Fureta. Are all Oshinoko. So I'll save you the dramatics. Anything from 16k to 18k. They all sold. Oshinoko. My god. This is 100% a demonstration. Of when an anime adaptation. Does right by its source material. So much so that people love it. Because yeah this is freaking nuts. Uh, it's still going. Didn't the anime end already? And it's still selling like nuts. Like wow. Shout outs to Oshinoko. It must really be good or really be interesting i don't know uh, we got places 30 through 21 oshinoko still there volume 11 doing 18.2 we got jujutsu kaisen it's volume from march 3rd another 19k bringing us total 1.4 uh we got iruma kun volume 33 with in 18 days 136k okay okay we got oshinoko volume 1 19.5 Doing 758k total. Alright, alright. We got Mushoku Tensei in two days. 22.3 for volume 19. Not bad, not bad. Record of Ragnarok. The Jack of the Ripper Case Files. Volume 2 in four days. 22.3. That's a spinoff. Not bad at all. I wonder what that is about though. Like, does it go into his life? Or is it a battle series? I'm curious. because. And then we got places 20 through 11. Let's see here. We got Hajime no Ippo volume 138. I could have sworn that that was like... That looks straight up like the first volume cover it makes me wonder if Hajime no Ippo is going to be ending soon just I, I got confused and thought that was the first volume cover for a hot minute uh, in 10 days 55k with 29.4 this week not bad not bad Horimiya volume 17 in six days 31.3 okay 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 and Horimiya volume 17 limited wow the limited edition did better than the regular edition 38k so it did a total of 69,000? Not bad at all. Wow, okay. Then we got top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10! At number 10, Blue Period, volume 14, three days, 40K. Not bad, still moving. 
Comey can't communicate volume 30 in six days 47.6 okay we we see you even though you can't communicate Comey record of Ragnarok volume 19 four days 78.8 that's a little low for record of Ragnarok a little low in my opinion uh One Piece 106 20 days 1.4 with 96.2k this week yo see this is what always happens with One Piece and Jujutsu Kaisen like the first two weeks ish One Piece outsells Jujutsu Kaisen by like week three it starts to change drastically or by the third update shall I say because now not drastically but it starts to change because this week uh Jujutsu Kaisen outsold One Piece by like 15k copies now it's 100 or 1,010,000 to 1.4 million so a little less than 400,000 between the two and then these two volumes will be on the charts for the next three to six months competing but Jujutsu Kaisen will still be behind because of that first couple of weeks where it just gets blown out by classic One Piece fans. I'm going to call it that. Those are One Piece fans that have been around a long, long time. Uh, we got at number three, Blue Lock, volume 25 in 10 days, 122K this week, bringing us total to 223. Not bad. Oshinoko at number two, volume 12, five days, 228K. Yeah, that anime got Oshinoko all the way up. It's way up. Number one, King Damu, King Damu, volume 69 in five days, 346K. Why are you sleeping on the kingdom? Why am I sleeping on kingdom? Oh my God. And yes, people, those have been the top 50 best-selling manga of the week. Courtesy of Jose underscore K. But that's all I have for this one. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoyed. I'm Tim Roosevelt. And as always, people, have an awesome day. And remember the golden rule. Anime and manga for life, boy. Have an awesome day. Peace and you guys just watched another episode of Whatever News. Have an awesome day. Make sure to check out The Rise of Tim Roosevelt out now on all streaming platforms, baby. The Rise of Tim Roosevelt. Got records like Day One's Mistakes and fight gotta stand and fight all of the really awesome records man you love them check them out and subscribe and hit that bell while you're here yeah this is for my day one my day one this is for my day one my day one yeah. i would like to thank each and every person that has taken time to listen and provide feedback for my new album that is out right now the rise of tim roosevelt you can listen to it on spotify itunes apple music pretty much anywhere you get your music you can listen to it link in the description below so you could go check it out for yourself. Thank you so much and let's keep on rocking out, you know?